Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. If you look at your bulletin, it has the the topic of our sermon today, which is receiving the Word of God, receiving the Word of God. And you'll see today very quickly that the Thessalonians received the Word of God. And this was so critical and so important to Paul that he made mention of it. So let's go ahead and get started with verse number 7. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. And then he continues, verse 10. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, what's interesting is Paul says this. He says, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, our own lives. And you remember as we've gone through the scriptures, I've reminded you that sometimes in the Greek especially, the Greeks were famous for what we call hyperbole. Hyperbole is exaggeration, exaggeration, where where we always do this, we always do this, we never do this. We try not to use the words always and never because all you need is one instance and that destroys it, right? But the Greeks were famous for hyperbole. They would use great exaggeration, great exaggeration. But let me tell you, my friends, this is not an exaggeration for Paul. Paul knew that this was his job description. Paul Silas and Timothy were willing to give their lives, if necessary, for the Thessalonians and actually for any church that Paul and this group was planning. They were willing to give their very lives because the gospel was that important. Paul was chased out of town, he was stoned, he was left for dead, he was shipwrecked. Paul would do these types of things because Paul, he said, he cared dearly. That's what it says. You had become dear to us. What does that mean? He means that he loved these Thessalonian people. He had just met them. He was only with them for three weeks. But they became very dear to him. And the reason they became dear to him is because the gospel is so dear. How wonderful to be able to see people's lives changed because they get to know Jesus Christ. It sets them free from the law of sin and death. It sets them free and makes them alive. And Paul was, Paul was interested in making them whole. Now what's interesting is Paul had a job description. If you remember the story, back in Acts 7, Paul is, uh, is, is minister- actually is persecuting the Jews. This is Saul. He's persecuting the Jews. And the Lord appears to him on the road to Damascus, right? Knocks him off of his donkey, right? His ass. Knocks him. I'm not going to say that. He knocks, knocks, <laughs> knocks him on his rear end, on the ground, right? And Paul gets up. He's blind. He's led by the hand, okay, into Damascus. And then God taps a person named Ananias. Okay, now Ananias is a believer, probably had never heard from the Lord before, and the Lord decides he's going to speak to Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I want you to go minister to this man Saul. 
<laughs> now, Ananias knows who Saul is, right? Everybody knows who Saul is because Saul is the persecutor of the church. And Ananias kind of hesitates. And he says, Lord, this is in Acts 7, you want to read it. He says, Lord, Lord, not so. Don't you understand that this man Saul, this man Saul has done harm to many of the saints in Jerusalem. In fact, it's said that he has papers with him from the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be able to drag some of us believers into jail. But this is, <laughs> but this is what the Lord says. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. But I underline this. This is Paul's job description. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Isn't that something? That's Paul's job. I don't know if you've ever had a written job description, but how would you like that on your job description, right? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? When Carol and I were up north uh, on our vacation, we were amazed at because no matter where we stopped, typically to get fast food, whether that was Starbucks or whether that was uh, um, uh, Subway sandwiches or whatever store we went into, there was a sign on the outside, help wanted. Have you seen that around town? Help wanted. It seems like there are so many jobs that are going unfulfilled, unfilled. So as a result, people have to keep on raising the wages. And we, were at a, we stopped at a Starbucks up in northern Michigan, and it said, now starting pay $18 an hour, $18 an hour, no experience necessary, $500 signing bonuses. I almost stayed myself. I mean, I mean, that would be kind of cool. I like Starbucks, you know. I don't know about you, but I remember working for $3 an hour, $3.50 an hour. I mean, my wife, I was putting this together. I said, Carol, what, what was your first job? And I knew what it was. She was a babysitter, right? And she made 25 cents an hour. 25 cents. Can you imagine? Well, this was, this was Paul's job description, okay? This is what Paul had to do. So when Paul says, we would have given our very life for you, Paul meant it. Paul, this was, his, this was what he was supposed to do. He loved these people so dearly that if necessary, he would, he would give his, his very life for them. Let's go on. Verse 13. Paul says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, now pay attention, this is the, the title of our sermon, when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, as it was in truth, but as it was in the truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. These Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they did not please God and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Okay? So this is the point, and it's in your bulletin. It was the word of God. It was the word of God. You receive the word. And it wasn't the word of men, Paul says. It was truly the word of God, and it saved them. You receive the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it. Not as the word of men, but as it was in truth the word of God. Now what's interesting is there's three or four different times in the New Testament that receiving the word is a euphemism for getting saved. Getting saved. Now I don't know what your church tradition is. In some churches, in some churches, they make a big deal about being saved. Okay? In some churches it's like, are you born again? Brother, sister, are you born again? Okay? Are you saved? Have you come to the Lord? Some churches it's not that way. 
In some churches, they don't use that kind of language. But let me tell you, my friends, regardless of what church language you use, it's the Word of God that transforms you. It's the Word of God that changes you. It's nothing, nothing that you do. It's not about being good. It's not about doing all these things. If you, you know, let me, if you never smoke or drink, you know, if you never go with girls that do, if you don't go to R-rated movies, if you stay a virgin until you're 35 years old, if you do all those good things, okay, it won't merit you heaven. It's the Word of God that changes you. It's the Word of God that changes you. The Word of God is precious. It, it really is. I remember when I, my wife and I, this was years and years ago, um, we started a, a Bible bookstore. Remember the old Bible bookstores, Christian bookstores? We had a, a Christian bookstore in Dearborn, Michigan, right outside of Detroit, called The Good News Shop. And it was a wonderful store. It was a wonderful store. Carol and I started it with another couple. We knew nothing about Christian books, knew nothing about running a retail store. Carol did, but I didn't know anything about it at all. Um, it, I kind of took a, take a look at it. It was kind of like my final exam for my MBA program. Let's see if I could run a retail store, right? And it did well. It did well. And we had all kinds of cards and gifts and books. And it was a beautiful store. It looked a lot like a Hallmark store. Carol had a lot to do with the way that it looked. And it started off small, about 1,000 square feet, ended up with 5,000 square feet. Became one of the biggest stores in, in, in the Detroit area. In fact, all of Michigan, mainly because of God had blessed it and Carol was running it. It was a great combination. God and Carol, what a great combination. I stick with it to this day. What was interesting, the reason I bring it up is because I didn't spend that much time at the store. I kept to working at Ford because the store wasn't going to be able to provide for us, and I had a good career at Ford. So I kept working at Ford, paid for all of our bills and, and then some. So I kept working at Ford, but I would love to come in and be able to help whenever I could. We had a couple kids, so Carol would like to go home every now and then spend some time with the kids, and I would come in and be there, right? So people would come in with all kinds of questions, right? People come into Christian bookstores and they say, I'm looking for a gift for my nephew. My nephew is graduating from high school. What do you recommend? How about a Bible? <laughs> I sold more Bibles for all occasions. I had all different kinds of Bibles. I had big Bibles, small Bibles. I had all kinds of Bibles. Bible never went on a style. I mean, I loved it. I said, this is what you could do. We actually have an imprint machine. You could put their name in there. You could put your name around the Bible. I sold lots of Bibles. But I think part of the reason, it wasn't so much that I wasn't into the gifts, it's that I had such an appreciation for the Word of God. I just love the Word of God. I brought a couple Bibles in today. Now, by the way, we always want to give Bibles out. We have very generous supporters. Um, so in the back, uh, Tyler, do you have one of those Bibles back there? I just want you to hold it up. One of those blue Bibles or pink Bibles, whatever they are. I got a few, right? No, 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 the Bible, the Bible. Don't we have any Bibles? Oh, there you are. Danielle's got one. So, so we've got some, those, that's a New Living Translation, large print Bible. And I think I've got a few, and I've got a few more at home. So if you, have, if you need a Bible, please take one, because the Word of God is so precious. It really is. I want to make sure that everybody has a Bible. Um, I love reading the Bible. I brought some in. So this is my normal Bible. You've seen this before, right? It's a New King James. It's easy to read. It's a large print. It doesn't have any, anything fancy in it other than the red letters. There's no notes or anything like that. But I like preaching out of this because it's an easy Bible to use. This is one the church gave me. <laughs> it's huge. It's about seven and a half pounds of Bible, you know. And I don't use it as much, but I look at it every now and then because there's some great commentary. Commentary is good, but it's not the Word of God. Okay, so you want common, you want to be able to read the Word of God, but I do like this Bible. 
Here's the one my wife got me. I like this. This is an English Standard Version, and it's small, little, teeny, small print. I think she was testing to see if my eyes were still any good, because it's got such small print. But it doesn't matter what kind of Bible that you have, but you want to be able to get into the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that changes you. Remember, we don't have a formula in the Bible, but if there was a formula, it's this, okay? You want to you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want to confess that, Jesus, that God had risen him from the dead. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. And it's the gospel that saves. It's the gospel that changes lives. I mean, you can talk about all kinds of... You, you can watch a TED Talk. Do you guys know what a TED Talk is? A TED Talk, you can go watch a TED Talk and feel good about yourself. You can watch a TED Talk and, and just feel great and be positive and stuff like that. But it's not going to save you. The thing that saves you, that changes you from death to life, that, that creates a new creation, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you want the Word of God. Let me flip my Bible open here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel of John, the beginning of the Gospel of John. John talks about the Word. He says this, In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're only going to get that from the word of God. That's what we share. I remember when I was a, a young, I think I was a, a deacon in a church. And we were starting to do more ministry. The deacons at that time were supposed to do more ministry. <clears throat> All too often, excuse me. <clears throat> I brought water today. <clears throat> because last week I got all choked up, remember? So I brought some water today. The deacons were supposed to be able to do some ministry. And one of the older deacons took me aside. And he said, Brother Ken, we always called each other brother and sister. Brother Ken, he said, he said use the word of God. Even if you don't know the address, don't know the chapter and verse, and you know a portion of the verse, use the word of God. Because it's the word of God that doesn't return void. It's the word of God that changes heart. Whenever you can, use the Word of God because the Word of God is effective. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. You believed it as the, not as the Word of man, but as the Word of God. And because of that, Paul was rejoicing because it effectively changed them. Now, Paul uses this word, this, this, this idea, this euphemism of receiving the Word of God a couple of times. If you remember back when, Paul, when Peter, this is back in Acts 7, was ministering to Cornelius. And he was telling Cornelius and his family about, the, about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell on him. They started speaking in tongues. And the very next verse, it says, How can we forbid baptism, seeing that they received the word of God? Seeing that they received the word of God. It's used three or four different times in the, gospel, in the Acts of the Apostle as a euphemism for being born again. 
of, of being saved, of understanding who Jesus Christ was. And that's what the Word of God is going to do in people's lives. Now it's interesting, verses 15 and on, Paul gets a little harsh with his Jewish brothers and sisters. Paul says this, he says, You killed the Lord Jesus and their prophets, you've persecuted us, they did not please God, they're contrary to men, they forbade us to speak with the Gentiles. So Paul is ragging on the Jewish people. Now this is very unusual for Paul. Paul loved the Jews. If you remember, Paul first would go into the Jewish synagogues first. He would preach to the Jews first, and then he would preach to the Gentiles. He knew that he was called to reach the Gentiles, but he loved the Jewish people. He loved his brothers and sisters. In the book of, 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 of Romans, he says, I would give my very life if I could to save some of the Jewish people. God ultimately revealed to him that all of the Jews ultimately will be saved. We know that that's sometime in the last days when the Lord returns. At that time, all of Israel will be saved. It's going to be a wonderful time. We don't know exactly how that's all going to work, but it's a promise from God. Paul loved the Jewish people, but he's very critical of them only this one time in Thessalonians. But remember, this beginning of Thessalonians, he's trying not only to defend his ministry, but he's trying to build up these new believers in Thessalonia. He's trying to build them up and there's still a lot of Jewish elite scholars that are out there that are criticizing them and criticizing Paul, but they're also criticizing Jesus Christ. And he's saying these are not friends of the gospel. They, they crucified Jesus Christ. They're not friends of the gospel. They, they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles. And it says they are filling up to the measure of their sins and wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So Paul is being critical of the Jews and it's one of the only times that he does that. But my friends, before we move on, just remember, it's the Word of God that saves. You know, uh, Dee and Danielle, every now and then we sing Amazing Grace. I love that song. You know, it's this, this former slave ship captain, John Newton. And if God can get a hold of a slave ship captain and change his life to such an extent that he would write these words, this is what the gospel does. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now am found, was blind, but now I see. This, this word of God is just amazing. Just this last, this last week, um, Carol went out, Carol and I and the dog, okay, because that's the, the three of us go out a lot. Carol and I and the dog went over to Home Goods. We went over to Home Goods because Carol wanted to get a new painting for our living room. She just felt like changing a couple things out. And she, it's interesting, you ladies are probably like this. She knew the colors she wanted and she knew the kind of theme and we decided she's going to go to Home Goods. Now if you've ever been to Home Goods, it's a wonderful place, but they only have one of something, if anything, okay? And then it's gone, okay? But she goes in, so the dog and I are sitting in the car. She could be in there for 15 minutes, never. Half hour, an hour, two hours, who knows how long it is. I look down at the gas tank, I got a half a tank of gas. It's 98 degrees outside, so the car is running. I figure I'm okay for a couple hours. I'll be fine. I got my book. I got my Bible. I got my cell phone, so I'm, I'm okay. So Carol goes into the home goods and comes out in about 15 minutes. It was I've never seen her go into a store and buy anything in 15 minutes and come back. That's my job, not hers. She comes out and she's so excited because she found just what she wanted. She said, it's wonderful. It's got the right colors. It's got, it's got pictures of some houses along, a, along some water. It's got some palm trees. It's going to go perfectly in our living room. It's going to be wonderful. So we get home and, she, and she's going back out. 
So she says, hang up the picture while I'm gone, which is amazing. 46 years of marriage, she finally trusts me to be able to hang a picture on the wall, okay, without her telling me exactly where it goes. No, a little bit to the left, a little to the right. She trusts me, right? So the wonderful surprise, and this is why I'm telling you the story, as I take the corners, they have these big cardboard corners on the pictures, as I start taking the corners off, I realize that the artist had not only signed it, but had to put a scripture verse on the bottom of the picture. Now, Carol didn't know the scripture verse was there. She didn't have this idea. She didn't know it was there at all. So she comes home, and I say, take a look at the picture. And she said, oh, nice job. And I said, look what it says. So she looked at it, and sure enough, the woman's name, I can't remember the woman's name, I should remember it. The woman's name was on there, and it had Psalm 1. Mm -hmm. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> and it's like, that's the very first scripture I ever taught my children. My, my kids were little. My, my son was like six, seven years old. We're going to Sunday school. He's six, seven years old. My daughter is seven, eight years old. They're going to Sunday school, and I taught them Psalm 1. They had to remember Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor seats in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He should be like a tree. See, that's why the trees were there. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So Carol had gone in just for some color, just for some color, and she knew that she would love to have maybe a floor to scene of some kind, and came back with the word of God. By the way, when the psalmist says that he delights in the law of the Lord, what is he referring to? He's referring to the law which is the first five books, the Pentateuch. So it's called the Pentateuch because there's five books there. So, so that's, what the, that's what the psalmist is referring to, is the Word of God. And we delight in the, the Word of God. Pentateuch is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Before I leave this, I just want to remind you that in the, in the Bible, talking about the Word of God, uh, the writer of the Hebrews says this. He says, he says, the word of God is alive. It's in your notes, by the way. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So let's go on. Let's move on. Verse 17. Paul says, uh, from you, um, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? It is not even you at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For you are our glory and joy. You are our joy and glory. And I use this because I wanted to focus on this. It says, I, even I, Paul, time and again, wanted to come and see you, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. And I thought since Paul put it in there, it was probably worthwhile speaking about it a little bit. You know, so often in contemporary thought today, we think of the devil as this cartoon character, right? This guy dressed in red, you know, he's got a little pointy tail. Where does the tail come from? Has standing with a little pitchfork, right? Kind of this, this creature, right? This cartoon character. But that's not how the Bible displays him at all. Uh, Satan is actually Lucifer. He was an archangel. He was created as an angel. And the Bible says he fell. Pride was found in his heart and he fell. He wanted to assume, he wanted to be like God. 
He wasn't satisfied with where he was. He wanted to be like God. So he took a number of angels with him. We call those demons. Now, all too often, we blame the devil, like Flip Wilson. Remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. We blame the devil on things that he didn't do. <laughs> and we don't give the devil a mind when he's actually doing things to stop us from advancing the gospel. The devil would love to be able to silence Christians. You know, it's interesting, especially in today's world, when we see the news and we don't sure what is true and what is not true. What is fake news and what is popular? What is just theater? I mean, I, I don't watch the news much anymore because typically I turn on the news and all I see is theater. It's just somebody's just acting up. We know that there's an agenda there somewhere. So I just, I don't pay much attention to it. As believers, we are much more likely to be able to discern truth from error. We're able to have that, that gift of discernment to be able to tell the truth and understand what the truth really is. And the devil would love to be able to silence us, to be able to keep us quiet. So what we need to do is we can learn some lessons from Paul. Because Paul, even though he said he was thwarted, he did go back to the Thessalonians. He got back there. He was able to go back there. So there's some lessons that we can learn from this, and it's in your notes, I think. Paul longs to see them, but there's a couple things. Paul recognized the source of the attack was Satan itself. That it wasn't him that he noticed that he was being attacked by Satan. So he recognized that. So it's a lesson for us. From time to time, we can recognize, not like Flip Wilson, that the devil's going to make you do everything. But from time to time, the devil will actually attack us, stop us from doing what we need to do. The other thing is that Satan hinders, but Satan's power is limited. There is no match. Satan is no match for God. You know, sometimes we think there's these two opposing factors. There's God and the devil. No, 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 no. Not at all. Big, big God, little, little devil. Okay? Big God, little devil. The devil is a powerful creature, but he's no match for God. God allows him to be able to act and to be able to do things, but so often the devil is actually accomplishing what God wants to accomplish anyway. So the devil doesn't even know it, but he's doing the work of God. But the devil is, is able to do certain things. He's no match. He's permitted to win only, only for a season. And finally, the word of God is really the only offensive weapon. Do you remember in the book of Ephesians where it talks about putting on the armor of God? Remember that? And we have the breastplate of righteousness and we put the helmet of salvation and our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. The only offensive weapon that we have, church, the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God. That's the only thing that we have to be able to combat the work of the devil. When Jesus went out into the desert, okay, and fasted for 40 days just prior to coming out and being baptized by John the Baptist, the beginning of his ministry, he was 30 years old, the devil came and tempted him, right? The, what Jesus responded with is the word of God. It's the word of God that's effective. It's the word of God that divides soul and marrow. It's the one that penetrates. It's the word of God is your, is your best weapon against, this, against the devil. I think I have one more slide. Second Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about the word of God. He says this, he says, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. My, uh, I told you when my, my kids were little, we taught them Psalm 1. Uh, my kids grew up knowing the Word of God. 
um, my son, <laughs> it was funny, Adam was probably around six or seven years old. Did you go to Sunday school? Did you send your kids to Sunday school on Sunday? Every Sunday. I, I miss the Sunday schools. I really do. Some of the churches don't have Sunday schools like they used to. I love Sunday school. We would always send our kids to Sunday school. And they would teach them the Word of God. That's where they came back and they would have these memory verses. They would do different things. And my son was around six, six years old or so. And uh, the teacher... Uh, she grabbed a hold of me after the service and she said, Brother Ken, again, we call each other brother and sister all the time. Brother Ken, Brother Ken, I want to let you know that little Adam, he, he memorizes all his scripture verses and every night, every, every day, when we ask people if they want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, your son raises his hand. He does it every single Sunday. I love that. I love that, to be able to respond to the gospel of God, to be able to say, yes, count me in. I want to be part of that. I'm responding to the precious Word of God. My friends, read your Bible. If you need a Bible, we're glad to give you a Bible. This is, the, this is what's profitable. This is going to be able to determine truth from error. This is, the, this is the Word of God that will get you saved, that'll get you to where God wants you to be. Remember, God wants to set you free from the law of sin and death. He wants to be able to be with you forever. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for who you are. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.